you are tuned in to Lightworkers Lounge, a podcast for spiritual souls on their journey of enlightening the world. I'm your host, Stephanie Powers. Welcome. You know, I never realized how much confidence it takes to be as vulnerable as I am on Instagram or here on the podcast until my platform grew very large. But even on Instagram, you know, you guys read my captions over on my personal account at Stephanie's underscore destiny. And of course, the captions on at Lightworkers Lounge. They're very open. They're very vulnerable. I mean, shit, just June 2018, going on a couple years now. I literally locked myself in a room inside of an Airbnb cabin outside of Denver, Colorado, right after I finalized my divorce. And I was just numb and in shock, like, I did it. Oh, God, what does this mean? What does this entail? I locked myself in a room and I hit record on the microphone and I released that to the world. And it's still out there for the world. I haven't listened to it yet because too much, too vulnerable. But I get told every single day through emails and direct messages, Steph, thank you for being so brave and so confident in sharing your truth and your authentic story because it has helped me so much. And I just want to acknowledge how brave you are. And these comments, while so kind, I, I, to me, there's no other way to live than to be authentic. And I guess perhaps it was both being raised by a very confident mother but also just this all-knowing that I'm here for a very specific purpose and also an all-knowing that the right people love me for who I am. I don't want to change who I am and hide who I am because then I'm not attracting people aligned with me. I'm confident in who I am and what I love because that attracts all the right people. But it takes a really strong level of confidence to do what I do because, as you'll hear in today's podcast episode, I share my heart on my sleeve. And I made the sad mistake of reading my iTunes reviews on the podcast. And some of them are not so nice. And it hurts. My heart sinks when I read them because... I share my brother's epilepsy. I share my struggles with PTSD. I share the sad story of growing up on welfare with a single mom. I'm open with you guys. And to have people throw tomatoes at me while I'm standing on a stage sharing such vulnerable, sad topics about my life, while I'm literally unzipping my chest and letting you guys get a peek into my inner workings, For some people to boo and throw tomatoes at me and make fun of my voice, make fun of the way I look, make fun of the way I talk, say that I'm stupid and I spiritually bypass, I mean, it's hard. It's really hard. And of course, my ego reads that and says, fuck it, I'm done. I don't want to put myself out there and be so vulnerable only to be met with shit like this. But I keep at it. You know why I keep at it? Because of you. You guys send me such, for every 100 kind messages, there's only one that's nasty. And I know that this is part of my life's path, is sharing my authentic story. Whether people resonate with that or not, I'm going to be here standing my ground and sharing my truth. But it's hard sometimes. It's really hard. But it's so worth it for all of the love that I receive from you guys. So... Today's podcast episode, I sat down with a very confident gal named Natalie. Natalie is a confidence expert, a life coach, and host of the Choosing Confidence podcast. She's a woman who has been through darkness within her own relationship, and you'll hear that on the show today. We talk about how Natalie saved her marriage, and we compare it to how mine ended. Natalie is so passionate about helping women feel secure and confident within their own relationships and their life. She shows women how to elevate their own unique version of confidence by revealing to them how to become emotionally elegant and intelligent and intentional with their communication, allowing them to experience more bliss and less conflict inside of their relationships. You know, Natalie and I really resonate with each other because 
She was once a holistic health coach too, just like me. And quickly through her sessions, she realized, wow, we don't talk about what healthy foods to eat. We don't talk about doing cardio and weightlifting. None of that. We talk about marriages. We talk about toxic relationships, career, finances, family dynamics. That's all we talk about. Because once those things are healthy and in balance, the physical things like working out and eating healthy naturally come into balance. So Natalie is obsessed with the subconscious and hacking the mind. She's so cool. She loves to infuse this passion and understanding into everything she does, as you'll hear on the show. She loves to help women around the globe feel empowered and determined to create their own incredible breakthroughs in their life. Natalie is such a light. She's got such abundant energy. You'll love her accent as much as I do. And this was one of the easiest best podcast episodes I've ever recorded. Despite being in quarantine, being thousands of miles away from each other, listening to this episode, you'll really feel like you're sitting at a coffee shop with Natalie and I. So get comfortable, relax, and get ready to hear stories of when we felt our most confident and when we felt flattened to the ground. I think you'll really resonate. Here is my conversation with Natalie, a confidence coach. So Natalie, I love your title. You're a confidence coach. That's something yes. I don't really see everywhere. How did you become a confidence coach? Um, oh man, my story to get to this point of being a confidence coach is one of those like twists and turns and like all over the place. I feel like it's a little bit similar to yours because I think we started the same. Um, I started as a holistic nutritionist, um, started coaching people around nutrition. I'd struggled with anxiety my whole life. So I kind of like built it on that kind of um, that concept of helping people with anxiety. And then I started to notice people just weren't, you know, diving into the meal plans I was giving, or they would do it for two weeks and then, you know, jump, if they'd fall off the wagon, so to speak. And I couldn't figure out what was going on. And then as I dove into mindset work, as I dove into, you know, my own realizing and reflecting on my own personal growth, I was like, ah, it's the mind that needs the work. It's, you know, everyone knows how to eat healthily. Ultimately, everybody knows, you know, eat your greens, drink a lot of water, you know, all of those things. And so, yeah, I dove into, in a nutshell, into mindset. I dove into neuro-linguistics programming and understanding the subconscious. Then I was like, people require like confidence. I understand the concept of confidence that they can make those choices that they're trying to make that aren't working for them. And I kind of that's how I ended up right here as a confidence coach, helping women now in their relationships, less w- with anxiety infused into it. Yeah. I literally feel like I'm listening to my own podcast right now. <laughs> I knew that as soon as I said it, I was like, I know a hundred percent. This is like a little bit like your story as well. Cause you, you're a, you started off as a holistic health coach, right? Yeah, I sure did. I had a private practice called Evolve to Health. And during my one-on-one client sessions, we, wouldn't talk about food. We wouldn't talk about exercise ever, food briefly, but no, it would always be just naturally it would turn into, well, I'm in a very toxic relationship or, well, my job just drains me. Yeah. It's interesting. I feel like a lot of people, once they make that commitment to reach out for help, so like to yourself or to myself, it's almost as if it's given the subconscious permission to bring other things up because there's a safe space to bring it up, right? And so, yeah, you start talking about apples and oranges and then all of a sudden you're talking about journaling your deepest fears, Yeah. And speaking of confidence, I, when I first became a holistic health coach, I remember thinking, I don't have all the tools. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. No, I did. Even I do one-on-one coaching now with Lightworkers Lounge on all kinds of range of topics. And I still have days where I'm like, I don't have a PhD in psychology or nutrition. Why do people want to what, what do I have to give? But mm. the key that brings my confidence back is people really just want a safe space where they're heard, where they can share absolutely anything and just actively listen to them. That's what they yeah. want. Holding space for somebody. For, I, I, I know you feel the same about this, but it feels like such a privilege to be able to be in a place where somebody feels safe to share what's going on. And I, I love that. I love that about what you do here as well. Yeah. So you are a confidence coach. 
Yes, and, I sure you know, am. I think a lot. I think a lot of people when they hear the word confidence, they might think of someone who's egotistical or pompous, like ah, I'm the oh, best, yeah. I'm number one. Get out of my <laughs> way. And that's not what you help people get to. You help them, no, <laughs> you help them be confident in themselves enough yeah. to chase their dreams, enough to show up for their partners and say, "This is what I want. This is what I will not tolerate." You know, that's not being a bitch, or that's not being pompous. Yeah. It's so true. You know what? Something that I, as I start to learn about the subconscious, because a lot of people, you know, if you see somebody who's confident, this inner dialogue can sometimes come up when it's triggered, triggered that person. And it can, the dialogue is a lot like, oh, she's so full of herself. Um, She's too loud. She's too much. The problem is with that kind of inner dialogue is your subconscious is associating something very negative with, with confidence. Essentially, you're looking at someone who's confident confident, but you're associating it using your inner dialogue with something bad. And I feel like that's the conflict for people. I don't know, like Mm. if you've noticed that before in in people you work with. Oh yeah. And myself, even when I was younger. Mm. Oh yeah. I would look at that and be like, why did they do that? Oh, they're just confident actually. Yeah. And so we've got to shift that dialogue, I think, and being like, good for her. Like, look at her right. girl kind of thing, right? And yeah, I think that's it- something you specialize in, right, is, is with women and having us not stack ourselves against each other. Like, mm-hmm. we really seem to do. Is that what you found, that women, we compare each other more than men do? Oh, I don't know. Sometimes I've actually had this conversation with my other half before. I do think maybe women act more on it. I feel like maybe men do experience it, but they don't act on it as much. But I feel like as women, because we're very um, emotionally charged, we're very, we can be very vocal. Like when it comes to comparison, we tend to lean on it and act on it a lot more than guys do. That's just in my opinion. That is very true. And gosh, do we all as women take so much criticism? I mean, I'm not a parent yet, but I can just imagine. I- I'm scared to be a parent and share my parenting style. <laughs> Me and, too. Like, I, I have a dog. I have a pug named Jeffrey. And when I post videos of him hanging out the car window, we're on a dirt road. We're going 15 miles per hour. Like, I know what I'm doing. Mm. But I'll get lots of people like, only women. I know men do this. That's so dangerous. Don't feed him that. <laughs> Don't let him swim in that. Don't let him drink that. It's like, oh my gosh. Yeah, you have to kind of drown it out a little bit, right? When you hear oh, hear yes. those things. Yes. Yeah, oh definitely. Can I tell um, you, I want to tell you something that yes. I did last week what? that was a huge hit to my confidence, but I bounced back really quickly because I understand it's just the nature of the beast having a large mm. social media platform. I did a no-no, Natalie. I did a no-no. <sighs> oh, spill I the read- beans. Spill the beans. <laughs> <laughs> I read my iTunes reviews. <gasps> okay. Okay. Why do we do this? So the vast majority of them are so nice. They're so kind, but there's a handful of one star reviews that pick me apart. They talk mm. about my voice. They talk about how I say, wow, too much. They, I say, um, too much. They just, they pick me apart and they are so nasty and I'm assuming from the names of the people who do it that it's all women yeah I wonder if you know the way that I see it is because I know you've talked about this before with on 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 many podcast episodes how and I, I relate to this a lot being very open and sensitive and when we take those things on it can be it can be quite like heavy hitting when you see those kinds of things but I really do think it's maybe you you brought something up in them that was a wound for them or, you know, their own confidence maybe is struggling. And the only way that they get to quote unquote process it is by projecting. Exactly. That is exact. So at first my heart sank and my ego was like, I'm not doing podcasting anymore. Fuck this. Never again. But then I was like, ah, these people are projecting. And what really stirs my mind is that these people turn on my podcast Start listening and go, Ugh, I don't like her. But they clearly finish all the way to the end. Yes. Making fun. So I'm like, wait a second. Uh-uh. Because one person said, if this girl mentions her divorce one more time, I'm going to kill myself. I'm like, what? Okay, so you listened all the way to the end of the episode. Got it. Exactly. It is. It's projecting. And that's how I keep my confidence high and mighty is I remember that hurt people hurt people. And they're mm-hmm. just projecting. 
And then yeah. <laughs> it just makes me think, how do these people listen to a podcast and then they literally create an account and then type these long reviews and then post them? Just the whole process of doing that. There's not one point in time where they're like, nah, you know, maybe I shouldn't say this. This isn't so nice. Yeah. <laughs> There's no, it's almost as if there's no space to think. It's literally just, re- they've reacted. They've just jumped straight into reaction. Has that ever happened to you? Have you ever read any bad reviews or? Yeah, I had one. I have had one on the podcast, that one specifically, but mostly it's been on lives. When I've been jumping on Instagram lives, for example, and, you know, maybe I say something a little bit triggering or a little bit out there, a little bit against the grain. And then you do get that co- comment pop up. And then the hard thing is, I don't know if you if you do lives often, but when you're on a live, I clearly when I watch it back, I see my face drop and I'm like, oh, oh everyone gets to see like, I'm a human though. I mean, you're, we're all humans, but like, that is always the worst time <laughs> to get a troll. Oh, <laughs> you know? no. no, I don't even think to do lives, but now I'm definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> no, you'd be amazing at doing them. Um, I do have a question actually to come back at, to circle back to projection, like, cause I know, we all do it to some degree. And for me, boundaries are really important, like personal boundaries. Like what would you say for you works really well at sort of recalibrating yourself after, after seeing something like that? Ooh, after a blow. Yeah. Well, I, I sit with it. I allow myself to feel my heart sink and I allow myself to feel like, well, do I really suck at talking? Do I say wow too much? How can I be better? How can I continue and improve myself? But then I'll close my computer. I will walk outside barefoot. I will look at trees and birds. And that grounding sensation instantly reminds me what's important in life. Yeah. But then aside from that, I'll go do my rocks, my best friend, my boyfriend, and I'll say, I'm triggered. I just read this comment and they will always, always, always bring me back down to earth and remind me that what I'm doing in the world is good and There's always going to be bad people out there. You know what I did this time is I looked at my peers, some, well, people that are like the holistic psychologists, like people on that level. I looked at their podcast reviews and they had even worse one-star reviews picking them apart. And to see that they just keep going and they ignore it and they don't let it get to them really inspired me. Like, okay, there's always going to be these nasty people who are projecting So just get used to it and allow them to say their piece and move on. Exactly. And I think not taking it personally and just remembering, yeah, it's it's not about you. It's not about us. It's about the other person, right? It's, it's, they they felt the need to say it is not, not necessarily about you. And I think anybody listening, if you take anything personally is remember, it's not about you. It's not, don't take it on because it's not to do with you. Yeah. Yeah. And for anybody listening who wants to go leave me a bad review, can you at least have a <laughs> constructive criticism? Like, is my audio quality bad? Do you not like that week's advertiser? Like, leave, leave the way I talk alone. That's not what that section's for. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Goodbye. <laughs> the left, end. If you want to leave, be my guest, you can step. Don't make me freestyle. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I think I actually caught one of your freestyles. I think it was only a, cu- a couple of episodes ago. I was like, oh. This girl has some skills. <laughs> oh, it's so weird because you hear me on the podcast. I'm so zen and yeah, it was like a real shock. <laughs> I think I was just walking out my front. I was walking out my front door and I just like pressed play on one of your episodes. And I was like, "What is happening right now?" <laughs> that is my Scorpio Moon side, and I love I it. Really- I make I have a whole highlight section on my Instagram, my personal account, Stephanie's Destiny, where I freestyle. And I usually do those after I'm really triggered or really angry. It's like yeah. an alter ego comes out and like some people go for a run, some people kickbox. I freestyle. <laughs> it, it's healthy. I feel like it's a healthy way to process emotions <laughs> through yeah, through freestyle. Yeah. Yes. So good. Yeah. So, so what do good. you do? How do you stay grounded when you get those? Instagram live comments and I'm sure you shut Instagram down and go god what the fuck (laughs) I think ultimately for me it's very similar like I just need to disassociate and shift my environment that I was in so let's say it was an Instagram live or it was a um it's a conversation it can be sometimes as well I'm getting feedback from friends and family too and I think um the best thing for me is shift my environment go somewhere that's completely opposite to where I was when I received that feedback 
Um, I love to, I'm same as you. I love to be outside. We live in the mountains. So I love going for walks like around the mountains and by the lakes. And then Mm -hmm. usually I like to come back and journal on what it brought up for me because ultimately a trigger is a window of opportunity for growth. So I always try and like ask myself, okay, well, what did it bring up? And then, then I then talk to my husband. I try and talk to him last because I'm, I'm very emotionally charged as a woman. So if I dispel it too quickly to him, I know his defense mechanism will come straight up and he won't hear me. So. Ah, wow. That is some serious self-awareness and that's what you teach women, right? Yeah. It took a long time to get here though. I'm sure, you know, I've heard you share your story, which we'll get, I hope we get to too. Um, it's been a long journey to get here though. I think everybody needs to practice that patience when it comes to self-awareness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've always had this weird sense of self-confidence, literally just born with it. And I don't mm. know because I grew up without a father. I had a single mom who had to take care of my autistic brother. So I really didn't have a mom either because she was so unavailable. I, I don't know. I mean, I was severely bullied growing up. Like it started mm-hmm. in elementary school and went all the way to college. And when I reflect on it, it's because of my confidence. I triggered women because I always just said, nah, whatever, nah, I don't care. I'm going to do this. I have confidence. So I want to be a DJ. I'm going to do that. And men were attracted to that. Boys were attracted to that. And jealous women didn't like that. So I yeah. would bullied hard. And I remember therapists would always ask me, how did you not turn to sex, drugs, or alcohol to get through all the shit you went through? And I'm like, I just always knew that I had a higher purpose in life and that stuff wouldn't get me any closer to it. I don't know. <laughs> that's so beautiful. Right? I think that's a gift, definitely. I think because it's hard to hear that inner voice sometimes. And the fact that it's quite loud and clear for you, I think that's that's amazing. That's so wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, question for you, based on, or that, on that idea and that concept that you were born with confidence, what is your meaning of confidence then? What does that look like for you? If you were to define it, because I believe everybody's is very unique, their definition of confidence. What? How would you define it for yourself? Oh my gosh, that would be such a cool podcast or even an Instagram live. Maybe we can do an IG live together <laughs> where we ask everybody, what is your definition of confidence? We can support each other through the trolls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> come one, come all. Yeah, bring it on. <laughs> And then we just quote the office the entire time. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> My definition of confidence is just always staying rooted in who you are and always mm. moving towards who you want to be. Like when I was growing up, I loved hip hop. I loved being a DJ. I was a DJ from like age 15 to 18. And people made fun of me for it. They said, you're no good. They said, you're, you're a little white girl. You can't be doing this. But I was like, well, I love it. So I'm going to do it. You know, instead of letting them, yeah, it's just not letting other people persuade you away Mm -hmm. from your purpose, from your core, from who you are. I love that. I love that so much. Yeah. I think the other, for me as well, confidence, for confidence definitely comes when you get to reflect on what you have been capable of doing. So I feel like confidence does, I feel like it always can keep expanding the more proof you build of what you're capable of. Yeah. Oh, that's good. You know, I will say that I haven't always been confident in every arena of life. I don't want our listeners. I mean, who has? Right. I don't want anybody to think, wow, how does this girl do it? (laughs) Born with it? Is it genetics? That's great. (laughs) No, because one thing that just popped into my mind to share with everyone is that I did not have the confidence to say no when my Mm. ex-husband proposed to me. My intuition told me no, no, no. But I didn't have the confidence to look him in the eye down on one knee and say, no, this doesn't feel right. Mm. I wonder what's behind that, the idea of um, not being able to say no, because I 100% resonate with this because I feel like I was born a people pleaser. And I feel like a lot of women have that that streak in them to put other people first and be really concerned for other people's feelings. But I wonder what it was that made you say yes. 
Oh, so many layers, but definitely being a people pleaser. That was Mm. from childhood of, okay, mom is really trying to raise me and my brother on her own. I see how difficult it is for her. I need to always be the good girl. I need to never get in trouble. I need to never, I need to always get straight A's. And so that mom is okay. There's Mm. that people pleaser, but it was also a fear of being alone, but also not having a father and then having my ex-husband's energy I was like, I want this stable, comfortable relationship. Yeah. Because I never had a male figure in my life. So here's my chance. And he's he's comfortable and we're best friends and it works. I don't know why my intuition is sounding the alarms, but I'm just going <laughs> to stuff that down and say, okay. <laughs> yeah. I feel like, because that's such a monumental life event as well, isn't it? That you can get, we do get caught up in our heads about the things that the what the societal norm would be in that situation, right? And let's go with that. Totally wish I had the confidence to not be mean and say, "Mm, no, but to say, hey, I love you, but this just doesn't feel right. Can we Mm. pretend like this didn't happen and talk about it further? But I didn't know. I was only 21 or 22. I was a baby. I had no idea how to effectively communicate that way. So in my mind, it was, well, if I say no or even not right now, our relationship's going to be over. Yeah. And you know what I like to think as well is you wouldn't be where you're at now if you hadn't have said yes exactly oh my boyfriend jail always reminds me of that he's like yeah i'm so glad everything turned out the way it did because here we are exactly you may not have ever met jail you know oh no we're connected because we both went we got married at the same time we got divorced around the same time so wow yeah oh it's quite bizarre the synchronicities between me and that (laughs) man but it's like a foundation of our friendship is being able to connect on similar experiences like that Absolutely. I actually wrote a post about that a couple of a couple of a couple of posts ago, I think, about the importance of relationships being built on friendship. Really? Yeah. I now think you're married, right? Yeah. And my hubs and I, we've been together for, for 10 years. We're coming up to 11 years actually. And we were super young. Like I was, we were 22 when we started dating, and I'm 32 now. And um it's been quite like the first six years. I mean, I struggled with anxiety. I struggled with fear of abandonment. I, I had lost my dad to suicide when I was 19. I never processed the grief. It came back and bit me in the ass in my relationship. And um, I think one of the key things that has kept us going was was friendship, was being best friends and trying to see each other through the lens of friendship when we were in conflict. Okay. I was looking at your website before we hit record and I found mm. some photos of you and the hubs and ah. you guys, first of all, your wedding was so beautiful and you both oh. look so happy oh, and thanks. so in love. I just read your energy and I'm like, this is a beautiful freaking couple. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Yeah. And so when I was in my past marriage, we started off as best friends for sure. And I remember everyone telling us, you guys are so young, like, can you just wait a few years? And I was like, no, this is my best friend. Nothing's going to change. I'll just have a ring on my finger. Well, it definitely does. (laughs) And, and so what happened with us, I think the demise of us is we just became too much of best friends. We came, Mm. we we turned into like brother, sister, um, just roommates, coworkers, because we both worked from home and we lost that, the romance, the passion, the like partner aspect of it. So I want to ask you, how do you guys have a balance between being best friends, but also romantic partners? I love this question. It actually gave me like goosebumps because I only learned this when we had, uh, so four years ago in like December, 2015, we pretty, we nearly broke up. Um, my anxiety had gotten too much. It was so much pressure on the relationship. I was, I was self-sabotaging. I was in this crazy spiral myself. Um, and I really learned that the key piece was independence within your relationship. So maintaining your own identity. And I think for a lot of people, and I really realize this, the biggest lesson for me in, in my relationship is I put myself all in from the beginning and allowed myself to lose myself. And mm. I think when we hit that smackdown and I was faced with, wait, like I do love him. I love him so much. I don't want to lose him. Like, what do I have to do? One of the things that hit me f- hard in the face was, you've got to go find your independence. You've 
got to find something that's just for you and you've got to lead with that. And that is when I actually started studying holistic nutrition. Oh, okay. Wow. I really, really resonate with that because yeah, for a moment in time, my ex-husband was my best friend. He was my lover. He was my roommate. He was everything. And I, you know, from the bullying that I mentioned earlier, I had no girlfriends. I had no friends because I didn't trust them. I did Mm. not trust women. And obviously I'm a married woman. So hanging out with a bunch of guys doesn't look so good. So I had no friends and he was it. He was everything. I put all my eggs in one basket and I completely agree that that is a big no-no. Yeah. And that's it. I think it's quite scary for a lot of women because I know for me personally, I was like, well, if I get my independence, then does that look like I'm not paying attention to my relationship? Will it be looking, will he think I'm neglecting him? And ultimately, you know, having that a little bit of separation and not intertwining our individuality too much, I think it brought us closer together because there was more to talk about. There's more to connect on. There was more to high five about. We had separate successes. It just, it felt like, I don't know, it felt like there's way more connection and, you know, now being more in love than ever. And I really value my own space. I never thought I'd actually ever say that, that I enjoy my time away from him. Uh-huh. I was just telling Jen that <laughs> the other day, because I, I only see him every other week because with his work, he has to be across state. Mm. And so I was like, are you getting sick of it yet? And he's like, and it's kind of hard to say goodbye every other week. But I said, I like it because I like that I get to be Stephanie Powers and live on my own and work on my own. And then when I see you, like you said, we have so much to talk about and celebrate and work through. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful. I'm, I'm glad that that's what, what you're experiencing as well is, you know, if there was one message, if someone was to ask me, how do you make your relationship work now? It's go find yourself, find yourself, lock in your own values. You know, you don't have to share values. You don't have to, you know, everything doesn't have to be just one, like you can be separate, you can be independent. I think having a big, not a big group, but friends, whether it's one or two or 20, but having Mm. friends that you can go out with, go on friends trips with, and again, be separate from the relationship is so important. Yeah, absolutely. Is that Jeff I can hear in the background? Yes. Oh, God. <laughs> no, it's the yeah, cutest right. thing ever. It's so funny. I, he he pugs our Velcro dogs, and he absolutely refuses to not be anywhere near my feet. Yeah. So he, he's just a white noise, like a fan in the background. The listeners love him. I, you know what? Mama Bear will come out the day I see a review of someone saying, her pug is so annoying in the background. Oh, yeah. That's you yeah. listening. I will find you. Let me remind you, I have a Scorpio moon, okay? I will come and get you. I know I where you live. With my little squishy muffin. We will be at your door. I'll set him on you. <laughs> I'll make my pug sneeze in your face. Anyways. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where I stand with relationships. And that's what that's what I really stand for when it comes to the work that I do is helping women feel secure and confident in their relationships, but it's not themselves. And I'm sure you feel the same, like the inner work has to happen because your relationship is literally going to reflect the wounds back to you unless you face them. So much. And when I was coaching holistic health coaching, but now I'm coaching just more for life stuff, it always begins and ends with relationships. If you have Mm -hmm. healthy, stable relationships at home where you can feel independent, but also comfortable enough to share anything with them, it's going to reflect into every other aspect of life, into your work, which affects your finances, into your diet. You're going to want to naturally eat better to be your best. Of course. You know, how you do one thing is how you do everything. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a blueprint being confident in relationships is number one. But also a lot of people that I've been working with lately, they don't have confidence to pursue what they want to pursue. Like one person wants to be a singer. Yeah. One person wants to be a professional singer, but they work in a cafe and don't even know where to begin. And they're afraid to go on stage. A lot of people want to host a podcast. Yeah, but they do. They're like, they just they're so mean to themselves. They're like, okay, Steph, I recorded my first episode, but I say uh too much. I stutter too much. I, oh my gosh, if you heard my first <laughs> episodes, I geez. don't even listen to mine. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and they're just so hard on themselves. And they don't, hey, you know what? I tip my hat to all of us. It's hard to talk to yourself for an hour, but we manage. 
Hey, I, I do not mind. <laughs> I'll listen to me. I listen to me. <laughs> do, okay. Do you listen to your podcast after they're um, done enough? Sometimes I do. There was actually a couple where I don't know if you ever get this, but when I listen to the podcast, I'm like, damn, like I know a lot. (laughs) (laughs) You go girl. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I listen to mine sometimes. I don't, I've never had a moment where I'm like, wow, I'm like a monk, but I listen and I'm like, I like my voice. Yeah. You just surprise yourself. Yeah. I'm like, you know what? I, 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 mispronounce some things I stutter sometimes but I like the sound the tone of my voice definitely and I think it's important to kind of that we anybody that puts themselves out there whether you're putting yourself out there in a relationship or you're putting yourself out there on a podcast it's all the same because you're stepping into fear really celebrate it before judgment celebrate it I think Ah, you know celebrate the fact that that sounded really good. I actually surprised myself on how much I know. You know, I, I love the sound of my voice. You know, compliment yourself. Mm-hmm. Totally. And yeah. that kind of boils over to Instagram. I know there's a lot of people that will edit the shit and put filters mm. and all that stuff on their pictures and videos before they post it. I've posted some photos where I was like, ah, you can see all the wrinkles on my forehead around my eyes. You can, and I'm just like, you know what? Whatever. This is what people love. They love to see real shit. I don't yeah. care. There's food in my teeth. I have a zit, whatever. I'm a human, but there's some people who just don't. Oh, Natalie, there's so many people who like when they see a microphone or when they see a camera, they freak out and they, yeah. up and they wall up. Why do you think that is? In what respect do you mean as in they shy away from it? Yeah, like I know public speaking is a fear Mm. for a lot of people, rightfully so. But what, you know, speaking of confidence, do you think some people see a microphone or see a camera and go, oh, no, 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 because of a confidence thing? Ah, honestly, there's going to be a program in the subconscious about it's going to be fear of judgment, I think the blank, like the umbrella for all of that, I believe. And also, you know, a lot of people can be very self-critical. So if you take, you know, I I have friends that I interact with that I want to support who you take a picture and then they're like, I hate that. Can you take another one? And I hate that. Can you take another one? And it, it really breaks my heart because I'm like, what's good? What is the dialogue going on in your mind that is actually allowing yourself to say, I hate that photograph. Can you change it? Can you do something different? And I think it's some, somewhere it's, it is fear of judgment, whether it's, you know, well, putting it out there in front of people or you're, or you're just, you're judging yourself. You're being really hard on yourself and that impacts confidence. Of course it does. Mm -hmm. But the way, you know, we've got to learn to break that programming that's deep in there that we learned from anywhere between it. Like when we were born to age seven, that programming still going. And the only way to break it is actually to stand steady in that fear until it's washed over you. Post the first picture, right? Like, retrain the brain. Absolutely. I'm all for it. (laughs) Yeah. I have an emotional health coach, April Adams, and we use hypnosis techniques where I listen to this track and I play something in my mind. I say it and uh, yeah, it uproots the belief from the subconscious and then we'll actively work to implant a positive one. Absolutely. Because I think as well, once you're conscious, once your subconscious mind has brought it up, at least you're aware of it. You know, that's half the battle sometimes is that you just got to be aware, oh, it's because of this. And so every time you get triggered, you're like, I know I'm being right now, what's coming up for me is fear of judgment. And I'm either going to choose to act on that or choose how I want to respond in a way that feels aligned for me. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, there's, I see so many people, whether they're friends or just uh, listeners of Lightworkers Lounge who have all these grand ideas of writing books and podcast mm. episodes or just starting coaching, just beautiful, beautiful nonprofits, ideas to help save the world and just yeah. uplift the world. Because I know a lot of people with all this coronavirus, they're really feeling the pull. Like, okay, mm. I can't keep doing what I do for work. Yeah, the money's great, but I'm not making a difference. And look at the mess we're in right now. The world really, really needs you. Yeah. But why, why do you think these people aren't pursuing it? It's got to boil down to confidence. They don't believe in themselves. Yeah, they're choosing to see proof 
that it's like I like to see it like as if they put a lens on and the proof that they're looking at that they're searching for is the proof that they can't do it and so of course that you'll go if you intentionally look for that proof you're going to find it because your subconscious is loyal so if you say to it well I can't do it your subconscious is going to go okay I'm going to prove this to you because you believe it wholeheartedly whereas you do have the option to put on the lens and go okay what proof do I have that I could do this that I can step forward right and when you build that proof and you put it somewhere in a journal or on voice notes on your phone watch your confidence elevate because again you get to reflect on what you're capable of wow and you're right when you said it all stems from things that happen usually between ages zero to seven yeah big time okay what happened to you between ages zero to seven that shaped and molded like your anxiety or your lack of confidence Oh, that's a deep question. I love it. Um, There's been so many. I think I am going to be forever in the process of deconditioning from those years. I think we all are. So that's why self-compassion is really, really key here. But, you know, for example, running my own business, you know, the money stories that um, and the limiting beliefs I've had around money were 100% formed in my childhood you know I've been doing a course recently with with coaches with my coaches and um we revealed this like really deep money story of how I used to steal actually when I was like five six seven I used to steal money from my parents to be able to buy from um like the the canteen or something and we we dove into this it was really it was very heartbreaking because I feel like this is the thing people think inner work is all this fluffy or I'm gonna I'm gonna just journal or I'm gonna run myself a bath and you know it's actually really freaking uncomfortable and painful Mm -hmm. to do and um I managed to bring up the realization that having money meant that I belonged. And that was really painful to realize that that young, like six-year-old me felt like that the only way she could belong was by having money. And I think running my business and then um, realizing, wow, that 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 story has really impacted my confidence in what I can charge, let's say, or in what I can put out there, you know, it, it really impacted my confidence. And that's just one piece. That's just one piece of the puzzle for my confidence from eight wow. to seven. Meant that I belong. That's I've never heard that one, but that's powerful. And I'm sure so many people listening to this right now are going, Mm -hmm. whoa. Yeah, there's a lot. You know, I'm currently right now, one of the programs that I run called Emotional Elegance is all about like unraveling the stories we were told from age naught to seven of emotions. And I'm sure, you know, you're right now you're probably thinking, oh, what, you know, what stories was I told about showing emotions? And I know you've talked about it here. And for me, one of those stories was, um, you can't cry unless somebody has hurt you or unless somebody has died. And, you know, for a long time I hid away from crying. Now I'm a crybaby because I released that story, but you know, like, emotions, like expressing emotions, you know, we don't feel confident to express our emotions because of those stories. I mean, I don't know how that resonates with you. Oh, big time. I grew up like don't show emotion, period. A very, Mm. I grew up, we would never hug. We would never say, I love you. We would never start a conversation off with, I feel it was always just shut up, put up, keep going. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I actually remember having a flashback now that I remember being told, I don't need to say I love you to you all the time. You just have to know that I love you. And I think when you, when you hear that, I'm like, no, I want to hear it all the time. And I actually, now as I'm saying this, I'm like, I can clearly see how that showed up in my relationship. Like I was very needy with words of affirmation from Gary in the beginning. Yeah. Interesting. So interesting. Oh my it gosh. Is. Now you, you said you had questions about the podcast I did with Jake Wooder about mm. masculine feminine energy. I spoke so much about how my very masculine mom, yeah, how that relationship affects my romantic relationships. So yeah. what are your questions? I mean, uh, oh, that episode was amazing. Cause that, uh, firstly, like that, I feel like that was probably one of the most vulnerable episodes I've heard you do. I think it was Big incredible. Time. Yeah, Jake really unlayered me, and so I was, was like, like, "Oh no!" <laughs> it was like listening to like it was a peek in, into a coaching session. I, I, it was literally only about three days ago that I listened to it, and I was like, "Holy smokes!" Oh, one yeah. of the things, 
One of the things that you brought up that I was like, oh my gosh, me too, was when you were talking about posting a picture of you, I think it was of you in JL, and the idea that what if I post this, and then what if we break up, and then I have to take this down, and I get embarrassed, or I have to explain myself, you know, to be honest, I don't know what the question is around that, but could you, uh, for me, dive into that kind of that thought process where that came mm. from? Because that's like it hit home for me big time. Gosh, yeah, Jake called. I really wish, and this is in the pipeline, but I wish I had a YouTube channel so I could record my facial expressions during that, <laughs> during that podcast because I was just, uh, uh, oh my gosh, yeah. yeah. I mean, you heard me. I was so caught off guard at how accurate he was. But yeah, the thing about posting pictures of me and JL. So when I was married, we'll take it back to when I was married. I didn't really share photos of us because I wasn't truly in love and I didn't want to portray a fake image that I was in love to people mm-hmm. because I don't like being inauthentic and pretending I'm someone I'm not. That's just been me since I was born. That's my genetics. Yeah. <laughs> but so I always felt funny. Like, I wonder if people are looking at my Instagram, like she's married, but she, you'd never know looking at my profile. You'd never know I was married. And so I always wondered what people thought. Mm-hmm. And then once I got, my divorce, I started dating someone within six months, which I deemed a little too early. No, it was like three months. It was pretty early after my divorce. But, you know, just going off topic a little bit here, because I feel like I need to share this. I was so checked out of my marriage for two years that immediately going on dates right after, like even before I had my divorce decree felt normal because I was so checked out. And I know there was a lot of different opinions about that, but just keep that in mind, people. So once I started dating someone new, it was so much fun. And we went on lots of adventures and I wanted to post photos of us, but I was like, oh my gosh, if my ex-husband sees this, it's going to crush him. If his family sees this, they're going to think I'm a slut. That is programmed from bullying in high school Mm. Uh because of course they don't think that. But so I didn't share any photos of me and this guy and he would, it would bother him. He'd be like, are you hiding me? Like, why don't you want to share me with the world? And I would be open and explain to him why, like, Hey, I just got divorced. It just, it would look weird if I announce I'm divorced one week and then the next I'm sharing photos on top of a mountain with you. It just doesn't vibe well, but it was a big issue in our relationship, which ultimately ended. Mm. And now here we are with JL. Mm-hmm. I'm this relationship is unlike any I've ever been in. Um, he's truly my best friend and greatest supporter of everything I do in life. Uh, I've never felt that from anyone. So it's so beautiful. And I think I'm terrified of losing it. And yeah. I love sharing our love on Instagram because it's real and it's authentic. And that's what I pride myself on. And I want people to see that. So that they know it's real and that they can find it and not not necessarily find it, but create it. Yeah. Um, But I just, I don't know. I'm always so used to men leaving. And that is a childhood wound from my father leaving that I'm so afraid of the day I'll have to just come on Instagram now that I have a very large platform and say, hey, guys, so remember baby Jay, who I used to post videos of every day. Yeah. We're not together anymore. So Hmm. yeah, Uh, I resonate that. I think you think this is actually something you did touch on with Jake Woodard was fear of abandonment and that being so deeply integrated into our minds, you know, having Mm -hmm. it, it's, it is childhood wounds and The interesting thing is, is I think you guys touched on this as well, is the idea that um, of stepping more into that masculine energy because there is a father wound there. It's Mm -hmm. almost like we harbor this like toxic masculine energy to make up for the fact that that wound is there. I think you guys touched on that, didn't you? Oh, yes, we did. Yeah. It's scary, you know, like being in that place. I think there is still so much of a remnant of that for me too, that fear of abandonment. I mean, what are you doing? What would you say is really working well for you right now to sort of navigate through that and remind yourself that actually that doesn't have to be the truth? Well, definitely working with those hypnosis exercises I have, but Mm. what works the most is telling JL 
face to face, like, hey, this is how I feel. Even when you do something so minuscule that doesn't even, you don't even realize you're doing it, that triggers me. Like, I'll tell him, this is how I interpret it. This is why I'm acting this way. But I got to say, it really, really helps. It makes a world of a difference to have a partner that's on that level. Because JL would never meet me with anger or any negative emotion. He's always so open to, oh, okay, I see why you would feel that way. Let, let's talk about it. Let me assure you through my actions and my words that that is not the case. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's like the ultimate vulnerability in a relationship. Cause I think I, I know from, from women I talk to, that's a scary thing to actually share. Hey, can I, can I share with you what's actually going on in my mind right now? But the thing is, I think it's such a gift, isn't it? Because when you can intentionally communicate that to your partner, they get to see into you more. Yes. And yep. And then when you work past it and you heal it together, you enter into a new level of love. And men want to, you know, they're fixers, right? You know, they, they want to fix it. The more tools you give them, the more information you give them, the better picture they have of how they can help. Exactly. Are you able to talk to your husband that vulnerably about stuff? Ever. I have been post that I call it like the, my apocalypse. Like when I hit the, when we hit the ground and we were going to break up, like since then I worked really hard. So same as you, like really hard on getting to know what was going on for me, I think was key. Um, understanding the fear of abandonment was there. That anxiety was protecting me from processing other emotions and all these things. And once I knew all that, um, yeah, my other half is so open to hearing it because it explains more of who I am, who we are. The more you can get to know yourself, do the inner work, and then you can regurgitate it from a place of accepting responsibility and not projecting. The other person is like so grateful that they got that information from you. So true. Can I just say, I absolutely love that you refer to him as your other half. I don't think I've heard you say husband once. Is Is that intentional? Do you know what? I think it's because ever since we started dating, I had this weird aversion to the word boyfriend. (laughs) Me too. Oh my God. I didn't like it. I never, me and JL never call each other boyfriend or girlfriend. We are both, we're both together. uh, No, he was with partners. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's just why it's just, I've just always said my other half or like my partner or something. And then um, now it gets a little bit easier to say husband. I think, I don't know why. Maybe I feel a little bit like grown up. I feel a bit mature saying husband. (laughs) Like, you know. The the F word is the one I can't stand. Fiance. Yeah, (laughs) definitely. We never said it. We, I think actually at the beginning when he first proposed, we did start it. And I was like, it's almost a little bit, I don't know, maybe we put too much meaning on it that it feels like a bit icky to say it. Yeah. Why do you, and that's the norm lately is people don't like fiance. They don't like husband, wife. I have noticed a trend that people refer to their partners as partners. This is my partner. Mm. So-and-so. Or Janelle calls me his other whole because he says we're not half, we're complete by ourselves. We just come together. (laughs) That's so, I love the meaning behind that. That's beautiful. That's so good. Um, I actually, I want to reflect that because you asked me earlier what has worked really well to get us, get, for example, my other, other half, Gary and I, to the point that we're at. What about you? How is this relationship different? What are you noticing that is important and that is necessary for a flourishing relationship? Oh my gosh. Well, this relationship, while being the best I've ever been in, it's also the most difficult because it comes with a lot of baggage on Mm. both ends. You know, I've been married and divorced. He's been married and divorced, except he has two children. That's a very heavy weight for both of us. You know, a lot of people would say it's the heaviest for me because I'll have to come in and work around that dynamic. But it's also heavy for him because as he tells me sometimes, like, well, it's hard for me, too, because at any given time I could say, "Mm, you know what, this is too much. I'm going to dip. I'm out of here. It's so hard for people with children to date, you know. Yeah. And so I feel for him. He feels for me. And I haven't met them yet, but I'm going to very soon. But you know what I was thinking of? I kind of got this download as we were talking about the abandonment wound earlier. Mm. I haven't met his children yet because I want to take things very, very slow. 
But I think that one of the reasons why I've been putting it off to the side is because when I was a child, my dad left. And then when I finally got to see him, because the court finalized me seeing him every other weekend or something, Mm. I went to his house and all of a sudden he hands me a little baby girl and says, hey, Steph, this is your little sister. And I was like, wait, what? I was like five at the time. And I was like, uh, no, my mom, my mom's never been pregnant. What do you, what do you mean? And he's like, oh, no, I'm married to a new woman and we just had a baby. And this is your sister. That traumatized me so hard and made me feel abandoned. Like, wait, you have a new daughter? And like, huh? Mm. So I think that I might be feeling that for his kids. Like, I don't want them to feel abandonment, maybe. Yeah. You think? That's- that's powerful. I think I remember you actually recalling that story um, on one of your episodes. I think, mm-hmm. yeah, potentially, potentially that is what the inner work that has to be done this uh, during this cycle, mm-hmm. I think. And it's what if it never goes away and it is something it's there to keep you grounded. It's there to keep you aware. Yeah. And bringing this back to confidence, there are so many times where I'm like, I don't have the confidence. I don't have the strength to handle co-parenting, to handle watching my partner having to co-parent. And, you know, I'm never going to be, I already, (laughs) I say never, but who knows how this whole dynamic is going to fall. (laughs) But I just, I don't want to be a stepmom. I've never envisioned that for me in my life before JL. It was a hard red flag, hard line. If they have kids, sorry, but sorry. <laughs> Not Yeah, I get it. it. And do you know what as well? The meaning behind the word, like when you say stepmom, sometimes I think the meaning behind that can be really challenging for a lot of people yeah. too. And so I think it's our responsibility maybe to break that meaning and break break that that current perspective and see it more as like extra support you know you you have so much wisdom and so much to share like does it matter whether it's who who you share it with you know it it could be really a really beautiful opportunity for growth you're right and how I get over that lack of confidence for taking on that role is I think okay Steph fall back let's as JL and I say we we wear many hats we have a best friend mm. hat we have a co-workers like a fellow entrepreneur hat a lover's hat so I'll say okay taking off my lover's hat putting on my best friend hat I love kids I've always wanted to be a parent of my own but mm. when I put the best friend hat on I think oh my gosh I love meeting all of my girlfriends they have kids I love meeting their kids and playing with them so why don't I just approach this situation as Jail's my best friend and he has two kids and I get to meet them and play with them and have fun. Yeah. And that's it. And that's you it. get to be the fun one. You yes. get to be you that you know the you get to be the one that's like, nah, it's all right, we'll do this instead. You don't have right. to listen to that, you know? <laughs> yeah. So that really helps me feel better about it because I think what just intimidates me about this relationship is the potential weight that mm. it could with. But every, I have to remind myself, every single relationship comes with baggage, comes with oh, hurdles. Yeah. Comes with, and JL and I are such a good team that it would be just such a shame if I threw it all away because of one hurdle. Yeah. And you know what? I think when you do take a second to look at all the proof of all the things that you have been capable of overcoming, all the life lessons, all the all the um, struggles you've come out of, when you use that, you can use that to support you, I think, when you go into these more challenging situations. Absolutely. Yeah. So Natalie, let's talk about where people can find us if they want to work with us one-on-one. Yeah. So for me, best place to find me is on Instagram. It's at Natalie Karen Sayer Coaching. Um, or the podcast, the Choosing Confidence podcast, which we we both are gonna we're gonna air this this episode over there too, which I'm excited yeah. about. Woo. Me too. Yeah. yeah. And what about you? Where can everyone find you? What have you got going on right now? Yeah, so everyone can find me at my website. It's lightworkers-lounge.com or you can find me on Instagram at lightworkerslounge or my personal account at stephanie's underscore destiny. Right now I'm doing one-on-one coaching with people and it's a wide array of topics. I was a holistic health coach, so I'm helping a lot of people with thyroid imbalances or any hormone-related issue. 
and I'm helping people launch their own podcast. I'm helping people with twin flame karmic partner relationships. Interesting. So, I, yeah, I think you and I have another episode to record about that. <laughs> but, yeah, and they can find that on my website and book a one-on-one session with me. Super laid back, super easy. So amazing. So amazing. And any last words? Any, if you were to say, actually, hang on, I do have a question that we could yes. round this off and okay. share each other's answers is what do you stand for? <gasps> what do I stand? Oh my gosh. Oh, whoa. If it was one sentence, one sentence, what do you stand for? I don't know why, but animals are coming to my mind. Ooh, I stand him. for equality for all living beings on the planet. Ah. Oh. I love How's that. that. that How's that? Write that down. Okay. <laughs> Write it down. <laughs> That's amazing. That's so good. And for me, uh, it's human to human connection. I really stand for that. I think I believe in the power of being able to connect with each other. So, oh, I love it. Oh, Natalie, this was so fun. Can it we have a like monthly recording? We so should. We so should. We just riff on anything. We could just talk about anything that's going on. Yes. <laughs> Like The Office. <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. I will make sure I send you that link. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Bye, everybody. Bye. <laughs> hey, guys. Welcome back. I hope you really enjoyed the conversation Natalie and I had about confidence. And I hope that you'll choose confidence, too. It's not easy. If you feel unconfident, you don't feel confident enough to chase your dreams. Perhaps you, you have a goal of being a podcast host, let's say. And you look and you think, oh, God, everybody's got a podcast nowadays. How am I supposed to compete with that? There's no you. There's no one with your story, with your energy, your style. There's no you. You know, I work with so many people who say that. I want, I want to be a famous author, but there's so, the market's so saturated. Imagine if someone like, I don't know, Michael Jackson... Imagine if he said, I don't want to be a pop star because there's already so many out there. Imagine if Taylor Swift, I love her. Imagine if she said, I don't want to pursue music. There's already so many female country artists. I don't, I don't want to go out there. Hiding their gift from the world. Nobody is you. So with that said, you guys know where to find me on Instagram at Lightworkers Lounge. If you want to book a one-on-one coaching session with me, as you heard, go to lightworkers-lounge.com. Dot com and click on coaching and of course all of natalie's contact information will be in the show notes and plastered all over instagram thank you guys for tuning in all of our premium plan subscribers you have your friday bonus chat coming up in a couple of days i can't wait to see you there we're gonna talk we got a lot to talk about with this libra full moon and everyone else i'll see you next wednesday on the show and if you're listening and you're like hey wait hey i want to talk about the full moon Go to lightworkerslounge.podbean.com. Click on any Friday bonus chat. Scroll to the bottom. Hit the little orange button that says subscribe. And we will see you there for a very private Friday bonus chat. I'll see you guys on Instagram and next week on the show. Bye. My love is just a reminder. Find your center. My love is just a reminder. Find your center. My love is just a reminder My love is just a reminder Find your center First morning, sunlight at dawn And cracks on the floor, well it served as a warning Everything's changing, I'll rearrange it So familiar, so amazing Hopped in the car, drove through the mountains Cows in the street, prayer be to accountant There was the river, eternal giver Flowing forever, remember, find your center My love is just a reminder, find your center My love is just a reminder My love is just a reminder Find your center My love is just a reminder Start the fade.
take a look within or find your offering hold it to the sun let your spirit run remember remember find your center <laughs> my love is just a reminder find your center my love is just a reminder My love is just a reminder, find your center My love is just a reminder My love is just a reminder, find your center My love is just a reminder Thank you.